15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics. I'm Ron McBerto. He's your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. Bridge MCP, I know, I know, I know. I am also tired of the shooting. Julie Van Astel, good afternoon, everyone. How are you doing, Julie? Welcome aboard. Michael Rudnan, Michael Rudnan, you're doing it to me, Michael Rudnan. Video shows Russian fighter escort U.S. military plane over the Pacific. Can someone kindly explain what the heck we're doing now with the Russia sanctions and escalations. Michael Rudden also says, Raul Castro is stepping down as the head of the Communist Party of Cuba, the most powerful position on the island with few expectations of significant change among Cubans. It is historic. It's a historic move. Castro and his late brother, Fidel Castro, have been in power since 1959. The Communist Party's 8th Congress will begin Friday when it will certify Presidente Miguel Díaz-Canel as the next party secretary general and set policy guidelines. Raul Castro had said in 2018 he expected Díaz-Canel to replace him after his retirement in 2021. Díaz-Canel, 60, represents a new generation and is serving the first of two five-year terms as president. I'd laugh, Michael says. I'd laugh at its ridiculousness of the question too. Sometimes you just got to say it's absurd. They put out a hit piece on Yang Cuz of this LOL. The media are total scumbags. This is what qualifies as comedy, eh? NSFW, but take 30 seconds and watch it. I can't watch it if it's NSFW, but I will, but I will. I will later on. Google's new time lapse shows 37 years of climate change anywhere on earth. I saw that. See the second link. Capitol Police watchdog paints damning picture of January 6 failures. Right-wing bubble were announcing this event for weeks before it happened. If it were a group of BLM supporters, well, we know what would happen then. We know what the results would have been. Anyway, we have a great show for you today. What are we going to talk about today? What are we going to talk about today? It's uh, Let me bring that show up before I get to you, and then we'll have it up on the screen right this second. Title of the show today is Tim Pagliere, Another Big Lie Exposed on 2008 Crash. A black attorney's fear, privilege exposed. I tell you what, guys, I'm going to start today with the interview. But before I start, I want to, of course, salute my people. Uh, Eric Hayes, hi, I'm sure Russia really cares what it's done to them. Really, what can be done? Michael Rudnin continues to answer. Eric Hayes, enjoy your debates, folks. Folks, don't forget, if you're just joining us, Please remember to share. It is imperative that we share. Now, I want to just give a preempt to, uh, to El Señor Tim Pagliari. He's the author of Another Big Lie, How the Government Stole Millions. But more importantly, you are going to hear things in this interview that should make your blood boil. And by the way... Um, the, this guy is well prepared. This is a book he sent me. He said he sent it next day. We did the interview yesterday. He sent it next day. 
it's a solid, it's a solid book. And uh, I started putting it together and reading it. Uh, I have the link to the book in there. Oh, I have it all upside down. You should try to go ahead and get this book. I mean, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people who write a lot of books because a lot of people are trying to get the media out. And if, it, and if it's covering a subject that, is a, that I think our audience need to know, I'll, I'll kind of push the book a little bit more than normal. And this is a particular book. I want both our right-wingers, our left-wingers, and all our in-between folks to read. I'd, I urge you to get this book. I have the link in the blog post for the show today. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the link for the blog post in the area here so that you guys can um, go ahead and get that book. Uh, when you hear the, the interview that we have today, you're going to see why I want everyone to read this book. It dispels the notion of the establishment, both Democratic and Republican, and it does a lot more, something that is much more important than that. It makes it that we should be empowered. So let's go ahead and get started with that interview, and then we'll continue with the rest of the show thereafter. Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. My name is Egberto Woolies. We are here today with a special guest, Tim Paglaria, will talk to us about something that affects most. Tim Paglaria is Forbes book author of Another Big Lie, How the Government Stole Billions from the American Dream of Home Ownership and Got Caught. Paglaria is founder, chairman, and chief investment officer of Cap Wealth, an independent SEC registered investment advisory firm near Nashville, Tennessee. He was named by Forbes as the number one financial advisor in Tennessee in 2020. Uh, Tim, welcome to Politics Done Right. How are you doing today? Terrific. Well, you know, the, before we get into the guts of what I want to talk about, uh, did the government steal, steal billions of dollars? Yes, they did. Really? You're going to have to really explain that to me. Anyhow, uh, first of all, let's, let's get busy about what is Fannie Mae and what is Freddie Mac. People use that. Everybody uses it when they're going to buy their home, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But really deep down inside, they don't know what it is. So before we get started, let's get a baseline. What is Fannie Mae? What is Freddie Mac? It's easier to start with Fannie Mae. Fannie Mae was created in 1938 by FDR and Treasury Second Secretary Morgenthau. And it was designed to fill a hole, a gap that existed in our financial system. The unemployment rate was 25%, home prices dropped 50%. And in that kind of environment, the regulators tell the banks don't loan clean up your balance sheets, do all of that. And so that's what we describe as a pro-cyclical business model. So people were being thrown out of their homes, put to the streets. You remember those images? Oh, yeah. So Fannie Mae was created. They bought loans, home mortgages from banks. They restructured them. And the 30-year mortgage was born at that point and it created affordable payments prior to that in 1938, the average home mortgage was less than five years. And so how do you requalify to get a new loan if you don't have a job and housing prices are dropping? So it created a measure of financial security that had not existed. It solved a problem in the system. Freddie Mac Wait, was- Wait, before, I, before I, I wanna make sure that we have this clear uh, to the audience. So you're saying Freddie, I mean, Fannie Mae was created 
uh, to it's sort of an insurance company for big banks, correct? Well, actually, no. What it what it does, they buy. So in your community, a small community bank, they will take an application for a mortgage, and they will put that into Fannie criteria. Then mm -hmm. Fannie Mae will buy that mortgage from your local bank and then they package them up and they sell them to insurance companies and others actually i i, I understood that and my, my bad i shouldn't have said big banks i just meant for banks in other words what it did it's an insurance company what you just explained that says i can give the loan i can make all this money off of giving loans to people the closing costs etc and if i follow the fannie mae rules i can then sell that paper to fannie mae who then will package it as some sort of a financial instrument. True? Exactly. Perfect. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. So, so um, I, I have some issues with that, but we can talk later on. Now, what exactly is Freddie Mac? Freddie Mac was created in the late 60s to provide the same service to the savings and loan industry. So it was specialized to the savings and loan industry, and they would purchase loans from them to increase the amount of borrowing that they and lending that they could do at the savings and loan level. Well, wow, so, very inform informational. And what's the difference between a bank and a savings and loan? Why we needed two different platforms? Well, back then when we had that rigid structure, you know, which was basically broken down, we don't have that anymore. So that's why today Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae operate simultaneously synonymously um, and they're somewhat competitors of each other but savings and loans still exist correct not in the structure the 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 regulatory structure that they did in the 60s and, and 70s and early part of the 80s so they're they're not the regulated entity that they were before the franchise that they were. So they may have be called a savings and loan, but it's not the same regulatory structure that existed. Okay. Now um, let me let me give you a picture of what I what I saw in 2008 and the narrative that I generally put out for 2008, and that is what we had was the financial sector making big hay, creating financial instruments like derivatives upon derivatives, which became cyclical till we had the house of cards that fell on itself. But then, again, I'm telling you my narrative, I'd like to be corrected by you. But then after all of that occurred, we needed to find a scapegoat that gave the financial sector a, a buy. And what we did is we said, well, Fannie Mae started giving loans to a whole bunch of people, or rather, Effected, allowing the affection of loans to a whole bunch of people that couldn't afford homes and they crashed the market. Government did that. Tell me I'm wrong. You're that's a, the narrative that existed and it has been debunked by the St. Louis Federal Reserve. But more importantly, the Federal Crisis Inquiry Commission, 92 percent of all the loans that went bad in the financial crisis were originated in the private sector, private label mortgage-backed securities. So despite the fact that Fannie and Freddie had over twice, almost three times the amount of business, their loan losses were tremendously lower than what was issued by say Citibank um, and, and the other big banks that were just 
engaged in reckless lending practices. Aren't you, didn't you just make my case, my friend? I did. I, I agree with you 100%. Oh, I, I'm just checking because, you know, I don't know. But anyhow, so tell me, um, how did we, how did the bank, well, I th let's start it this way, because you have uh, some discussion points that actually, I am surprised your discussion points are this good coming from, I mean, it, it is, it is pretty good. So let's start this way. What does your book unveil about the 2008 crash? That. There was a fraud, and the fraud was that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac caused the financial crisis. They did not. It was the big banks that engaged in reckless lending practices that caused the crisis. And Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have always been the champion of the little guy in providing home mortgages. Agreed. And no. those, people, those people that bought homes and saved to get in their home they were not the problem. The problem was the speculation that was created by poor regulation of the large banks, money center banks. It, it, that, that is so amazing. And, you know, that is one of the reasons, folks, uh, I'm going to repeat this during the, the, um, this show or our interview because I want people to get your book. Go get that book because many folks are misleading you. Another big lie, how the government stole billions from the American dream of home ownership. I'll have that link in here, but for to understand our entire financial structure, this is an important part that you you should have, folks. The link is going to be in the bottom of the blog. Um, okay, um, Tom, uh, Tim, um, explain which banks, how did these banks actually manipulate the system uh, to really pull out and then come begging to us all at the end? Well, take, for example, Countrywide, which was a mortgage, oh, yeah. mortgage loan originator. They engaged in reckless speculation, fraud. They had these no-income loans. People, anyone could get a loan without proving whether or not they were capable of paying it back. So these banks kept issuing more and more loans. They were like playing with the house money, and the taxpayers were on the hook for all of it. You know, that, that is amazing. I want to, I want to in, put a quick story. This is your interview, but I want to put a quick story that really burned me. A friend of mine, uh, you know, still a friend, uh, went to Vegas and bought a home that was really worth no more than $200,000 and took out a million-dollar loan on that home. Okay, and I said, you'll never be able to sell that home for that. Who gave you, who, who appraised that home for that for you? Uh, well, you know, it's done. I said, you don't ever intend to pay that back, do you? He said, smile. He never answered. He just smiled. And that, it, that goes into uh, something that you've just said there. How could we have allowed that to occur? And whose fault was that? Yeah, that was the regulator's fault. That's what Dodd-Frank was all about, trying to correct it. The ironic part about this I have always said Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were the Queen Mary and the Queen Elizabeth of the financial crisis. <laughs> they had to push them into service to save the system. They had no other way of doing it because the big banks had created such a mess. And I document every bit of it in the book. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, it, it's been a process. It started with a disagreement with Senator Corker who he and Mark Warner, for example, mm -hmm. they had a bet against the housing system. 
Mark Warner and Bob Corker bet against America. They Wait, stop, own... stop, 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 stop. That is new to me. And I thought I was red. Explain that to me again. The, are you saying they, they shorted the market that they shorted that market? Yes. They owned a credit default swap wow. called 18 that was buried in a hedge fund called the Pointer Fund. And this is all in my book. It's all in the research. They bet against America. So they bet that the housing prices would go down and they made between 25 and $50 million a piece shorting the system. The counterparty to Abacus 18 was American International Group, AIG. So it was issued by Goldman Sachs. The counterparty was AIG. And when they bailed out AIG and Corker voted for it, he essentially voted for his own bailout because that credit default swap would have failed. And from that point forward, Corker and Warner were advocates for a big bank solution that would have cut out the very people that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were, were created to serve. Tim, that's a hell of an allegation against a, two senators. Well, I think one's gone now. Uh, that's a hell of an allegation. Why isn't that all over the place? It was documented in an article that Bethany McLean wrote in Yahoo Finance, but everybody glossed over it. No one wanted to deal with it. Abacus 18 was the largest single investment in the United States Senate through disclosures for a two-year period from 2007 to 2010. And Corker and Warner owned it. You know, I'm still in shock. You know, I, I that that is a shocker to me. And you know what is interesting? Because I've always said, you know, the bankers are able to do what they do because they owned both sides. And I, you're you're just proving that right there. Twenty five million dollars a piece. Is that documented that the actual profit that they made? Twenty five million dollars a piece. In Senate ethics disclosure, they give a range. They give a range of what they owned and what they made. And it's somewhere between 25 and $50 million a piece. Now serving B24 at DMV window number seven. Okay, Jim, we're next in line. Perfect, Jim. Things are going very smoothly. You remember the cell phone bill? Yes, and the birth certificate. Nice. We'll have a real ID in no time. That's right. Ready to fly to Carla's graduation and then the big game. Real great work, Jim. You too, Jim. Excuse me, are you talking to yourself? Now serving B25 at window number 10. That's our cue, Jim. Excuse us. Talk yourself into Real ID readiness by May 3rd, 2023. Make a plan at dhs.gov slash Real ID. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. Is astounding, and it it's, I mean, it just shows you the power of banking that that wasn't picked up by other networks because that that I think is a that should be something that somebody talks about all of the time. It's the, the Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal wouldn't write the story. 
Matt Taibbi at Rolling Stone had a 12,000 word article written. You know, Matt, great journalist. Yes. And Rolling Stone stopped the article in August of 2017 when Corker was attacking Trump because it served Rolling Stone's interest to have him attacking Trump rather than deal with what was going on in the mortgage industry and mortgage finance reform and housing reform. So this was all big bank centered. And they have been attempting to drive a big bank solution that takes away from those homeowners. That's why I said they got caught. They tried to redirect billions and billions of dollars away from the American dream of home ownership. You know what is ironic when you talk about these guys having, they bet against America and betting against America because the system was about to crash. More than likely those default swap, those credit default swaps were worth nil because it was based on one that already failed, right? That's right. And that's why they've got the big bailout, right? Because now all those guys are made whole. Yeah, in August of 2007, we have it on Corker's financial disclosures. He sold every stock, everything he owned in his account. And 45 days later, he had a net short position on the U.S. economy. He had been briefed by Treasury about the difficulties that were going to occur with the Financial Accounting Standard Board rule in November of 2007. He knew these problems were coming. There were people that were tipped off that knew these problems were coming, and they shorted the system. And Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac got caught up in all of that. Um, you know, I am still I am still in shock. Now, let, let's go a little bit further now. Tell me a little bit more about what uh, people who get your book are going to find uh, shocking. I don't know if as shocking as what you just said, but tell us a little bit more. Well, first of all, it'll educate them about the housing system and, and, and the origins, like where we started, you know, 1938 to the present. It will also give them a good understanding of the inner workings of government and the big money interests and how they attempt to buy off the system and, and how the system goes back and forth in this endless battle of money and special interest groups. You know, the the Wells Fargo, for example, benefited more than any other bank in the United States from the initial proposals that were made to restructure Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which would essentially have shut them down and made a big bank-centric model. Well, during that same period of time, we're talking about Senator Corker, he had a $62 million non-recourse loan through a partnership he was engaged in that Wells Fargo provided him. Now, how's that happen? What does non-recourse mean? You probably don't know it. I don't know it because we've got to pay our loans back. A yeah. non-recourse, you don't have to pay back. And yeah. so because it was non-recourse, Corker didn't have to disclose it on his financial statements. So we never <laughs> knew that that conflict of interest even existed. So that's what they'll find out. They'll get a, a feel about that. They will see how the government leaked information about their plans to put Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac in conservatorship, documented emails, Freedom of Information Act requests. It's all there in the book. And then we tie it up in December, December 9th, the United States Supreme Court heard oral argument about the theft 
of this $350 billion from the housing system. They will issue their opinion sometime in May, maybe early June. And, and what's ironic, the most liberal members of the court, led by Justice Breyer, said, you nationalized these companies. You stole these companies. He's talking about the government. The government nationalized these companies. And, and that's, that's the story. To okay. the detriment of the American homeowner. Let me, let me ask you a little something. They, in effect, they nationalized the company, meaning uh, it was, we, we had sort of a social solution to a problem that shouldn't have been. In other words, we paid all, all, you know, all, all the debts to get out of there. What is the recourse? Because in effect, what we did is we gave away a whole lot of money to a whole bunch of rich people. What's the solution? The solution is to set these entities up, have them adequately capitalized, have them reflect what we've learned from the financial crisis with the kind of regulation that we need, and let them get on with the business of helping American homeowners for the next generation of home ownership. That's what we need to do. I, and and, let me see if I understand what you're saying right. You're saying you want a robust Fannie Mae, a robust Freddie Mac, correct? Is that what you're pretty much saying? Adequately capitalized for the taxpayer, for the next generation of home ownership. And let me stop you right there, because as I read about you, you are really, a, you're a capitalist. I'm not. You're a capitalist. Fine. That's great. Uh, and you're saying this, uh, you know, ex explain yourself. Well, I, I grew up working in a grocery store. I'm the oldest of seven kids. You know, just because I'm a capitalist, I understand how hard it is, how hard people have to work. And I understand the wealth creation that comes with owning a home and the pride that comes with owning, owning a home. I know how good it is for American people to be vested that way. So you've got to do things to support the system and to eliminate, like I said, there's a flaw. Any system has flaws. You know, the, the exhaust port of the Death Star made it vulnerable in Star Wars. So this is the same type of thing. We fixed a flaw in the system that will make it more stable and it will ensure that Americans actually get to own and, and, and maintain their homes in good times and bad. Tell me a little bit about Investors Unite. That was a, an organization that I started. It's an advocacy group. Uh, initially, again, and it's this push-pull that goes on with the financial interest, they blamed this whole issue on hedge funds and the property rights that hedge funds were attempting to uh, assert. So they tried to put a bad face on it. Well, that wasn't the case. Investors Unite, we've got teachers, firemen, police officers, pension funds, individual business owners, they are the shareholders of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. It's their property interests that I wanted to put a face on. That, those are my clients. And so I started this organization to represent my clients and to represent everybody else similarly situated around the country. Tim Paglaria, the last question, and I always ask this one, and it's the most difficult one. What would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't. I hope that if people that read the book, in addition to 
what I talked about with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, the system cries out for financial disclosure reform. I would have liked for you to ask me, you know, about how important that is and how that would have solved a lot of these problems because we would have known about Corker's so tell me. financial interest. We have to have an independent commission to look at. It's an easy thing to solve. You know, when you have rules for financial disclosure that are being written by the people that don't want to disclose, that's a problem. And so the loopholes that exist allowed guys like Bob Corker to have a $60 million non-recourse loan with Wells Fargo while he sat on the Senate Banking Committee and wrote rules that affected them. How can you do that? How can you have that type of system that allows for that? How can you bet against America by buying a credit default swap and then bail out the very insurance company that was the counterparty that created it. So at the heart of all of it, we've got to follow the money. We've got to have reform, financial disclosure reform, and new rules to keep this from happening again. Tim Paglaria is Forbes book author of Another Big Lie, How the Government Stole Billions from the American Dream of Home Ownership and Got Caught. He's also the founder and chief investment officer of Cap Wealth. Mr. Paglaria is a capitalist. I call him a free enterpriser that fits perfectly within our world. Mr. Paglaria, thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you for having me on your show. I did it again. I did it again. I did it again. I did it again. Okay, here we go. I, I'm not going to do the two videos that I have today. And the reason I'm not going to do the two videos is, well, I tell you what, what I'll do is I'll answer the questions first. And then if we have time later on, I'll do the two videos. But I think I, I need to get your questions answered first. So let's go ahead and do this before we get started. Please do remember, if you are on YouTube right now, click that join button and become a part of our PDR Posse. If you don't see that join button to become a part of the PDR Posse, please, please, please go ahead and go to the link that I'm putting on the screen right now, politicsandright.com slash YouTube, politicsandright.com slash YouTube. That way you can go ahead and become a part of our PDR Posse, support what we do. What do we do? We write three to, or, or create three to five videos a day, three to five blogs a day, articles for newspapers, articles for other blog sites. Why do we do this? To get the progressive message out in the open. Why do we need that? Because when people are asked what they want, what they want is a progressive message. What they want are progressive values. You ask them. You don't tell them what you're actually asking. You don't talk about Medicare for All. You don't talk about the Green New Deal. You just talk about policies that people want. And when you find out the policies that they want, you realize it is encapsulated in the Green New Deal. You realize it is encapsulated in the progressive policies that we support. What we are terrible at doing 
is marketing. We are terrible at marketing. So what we have to do is learn to do that. I am learning. So one of the reasons I produce the videos that I do, the reason I produce the articles that I do, the reason I produce the books that I do is for that exactly. And it started with this one. As I see it, class warfare, the, the, uh, the, the, <laughs> class warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom. That book talks a lot of what Parapaglia uh, talks about, which has to do with the credit default swaps and what really brought down the economy in 2008 in an easy-to-understand manner so that when Mike Cisak comes out with the kind of information the right wing has fed him with, it can debunk it immediately. So we do a lot of pushing of that data out there to make sure our side gets aired. Because I tell you what, the right has a lot of people and they pay people millions of dollars to put this information out. It takes millions of dollars to lie. The truth is inexpensive. So support our program by, if you're on YouTube, please hit that join button. Become a part of the membership uh, that Bridge MCP is the leader of. And if you notice that cup that you see on the screen with those people who purchased this stuff, please consider getting it and send me your picture. Not many of you have sent me your pictures, but send me your picture. Here's a link to get that cup that you see advertised on the screen. By the way, our latest book, it's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors. How do you get that book? I'm going to put the link to that book in there right now. That is uh, the link, the Amazon link. But if you want, you can also cut out the middleman. How do you cut out the middleman? You cut out the middleman by going directly to our store. And our store don't only have that book and the books. We also have our, our hoodies or T-shirts or masks. All that good stuff is out there at the store as well. Now, there are, there's another level of membership for those people who really want to make sure this stuff gets done, and that is to become a patron. And how do you become a patron? You become a patron by going to politicsandright.com slash patron, politicsandright.com slash patron, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, politicsandright.com slash patron. Or you can always support us via PayPal, either a one-time support or a series of supports on a monthly basis via politicsandright.com slash PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. Okay, let's get busy and start going to the chat because you guys have been chatting your you-know-what off. And I'm sorry I wasn't really going through the chat because I was writing another blog for the Daily Coast. So uh, now I'm back to the chat. So I'm going to go from where I think I ended up. An 18-year-old Ohio man was arrested after pulling out a semi-automatic rifle on a platform of New York's Times Square substation. Police also found ammunition and a gas mask in his backpack. Thank you for that information. They also sold loans over and over again. Yes, that is... Look, let me tell you how the default swaps work, okay? And I try to explain this to people. The way the credit default swap work was this. I buy junk, junk. In other words, I package a lot of people who shouldn't have had mortgages. I package all of that together. But I also package a lot of loans that I made to somebody who wanted to create a rocket that had no reason to create a rocket. But he wanted a loan, so I gave him a loan. And then we got these supposedly intelligent people that could take different levels of loans and package them into a new financial instrument. So they detach. You remember we talk a lot about abstraction. They detach though the, the absolute value of each loan and they create a new financial instrument and sell it with a certain degree of certainty of not failing. And that is the credit default swap. Credit default swap. Okay? 
when they created that credit default swap, they sold a lot of it. But people are smart, right? They know, hey, I don't know if this credit default swap is all that good. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy an insurance policy on this credit default swap so that if this swap fails, I will get the face value of this swap. So I go to another company, the insurance company number one, sells me a credit default swap, a piece of paper that says, hey, this stuff is going to pay X amount percentage per, per month. Every month you get, I don't know, 10, 15, per, the percentage rates were high. Uh, you get this amount of percentage rates, right? And then, but I don't know if that, since I don't know too much about default, I buy an insurance policy. So insurance company A sells me the default swap. I then go to insurance company B to insure that default swap. Insurance company B says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't want to own all these things if it goes bad. So I'm going to go to insurance company C and buy A insurance on B. And C buys, an ins buys insurance from D and D comes back and buys insurance from A. When A fails, they go to B. So B fails, they go to C. C fails, they go to D. D fails, who's going to pay off D? A. But A can't pay D because A has already failed. It was a house of cards. And this is what our genius financial people did. They make no product. They make no service. They just create paper to create wealth out of nothing. So Eric Hayes always gives me a hard time. Why do you give rich people a hard time? Because they haven't really earned it. You know, not because you can sell a stock mean you have any value to society. You don't. So we go through all these different paper machinations to create a false value of how things work. They don't. And most people don't know these realities. And because they don't know it, that is why they can exist and why they fall for the crap. Okay. So that is... That is uh, I'll go to the next one. Eric Hayes says she went belly up in the 90s. Yes, I remember that. Uh, let's say, let's go down. Credit unions now. Yeah, I remember uh, savings and loans, and it goes, he explained that pretty well. Uh, Carl Cox says, with the continued aid from the conservative crooks in Washington, D.C., the American economy could tank again. Another Great Depression, crony capitalism at its worst. Let's not, Carl, you're, first of all, you're right. The people who support those policies in general skew right. But don't dare believe that all of that is solely the domain of the right. Because we could not have had uh, any of these things pass without a Glass-Steagall that was passed by Clinton. And I... In my book, as I see it, class warfare, I assigned the blame to Clinton for signing the Glass-Steagall bill. I am an equal opportunity offender. I am not going to give Democrats a pass when they do bad things. And that was a bad thing because they were paid and owned by the banking industry. So they are partially responsible as well. All right, sorry that you got caught in there and it ruined you. I can tell you that, you know, uh, uh, it ruined a lot of people. Michael Rennes said, post it as a description to the share of this video. What happens in 2008 with a big bank switch will happen again when the rent moratoriums end? Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were the scapegoats of the 2008 crash. It was always a scapegoat. It was a poor regulation. You know, you know I mean, let me tell you. 
uh, Brother Tim Pagalia said, I, I says, it says the name wrong. Tim Pagliara. Tim Pagliara says it perfectly, right? The lie was that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac caused the demise. He explained it and it's documented. 92% of the failed resources in 2008 was caused by not, was not caused by the the industry the, the mortgage industry. So anybody who wants to put the blame of the 2008 collapse or they're not doing their homework, they're being snowed. Now not only are they being snowed, if you allow yourself to accept the lie, you allow them to continue to ruin not only the country, but to ruin who? You. Because when the country fails, you fail. It's important for us to at least come to the conclusion of truth. If we don't, we have a problem. Carl Cox's speculation, capitalism at its worst. Capitalism is a failure. I mean, it's a success for those who continue to rip everybody else off. But capitalism is designed to fail. Again, you can't have a sector of your economy growing at 7, 8, 9, 10% and the majority of the population growing at 1, 2%. It makes mathematical, it's mathematical nonsense because what it means is if this is growing faster than the masses, we get what we have. We get, the, we get income and wealth disparity and inequality by design. By design. Here's how. A capital grows at a, large, at a faster peck than your inflation, which is your salary inflating, which you haven't been getting anyway. But also, remember that capital is taxed at a lower rate in the aggregate than real income. So therefore, those based on capital, the real engines of capitalism, will continue to eat more than everybody else, the masses, which means you get an imbalance, and that imbalance causes utter collapse in the long run. It's, it's a mathematical certainty that the business people, they, they go to business, they get their MBAs. Look, M, there's nothing to an MBA, okay? They get their MBAs. And it is like, why don't you understand the basic math of what drives capitalism? The basic math of what drives capitalism is an equation that's unbalanced. And what do you know about unbalanced equations? You know what I'm saying. Okay, let's continue. Uh, let's see. I'm curious. Have anyone watched The Big Short? I think I did. I think when I was on my bike, I did watch The Big Short once. I'm going to check it out just to make sure. Banksters overspeculated, and this is from Rudnan, and caused the 2008 meltdown. Didn't go to prison. I blame Obama for not prosecuting the too big to jail banks. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> it's funny because I always said Obama's between a hard, a rock and a hard place, right? If he had, if he had gone for the bankers. He probably would have been our fifth president, or fourth or fifth president, assassinated by these mobsters. Because that's look, it has to come. It has to be organic, and people have to first understand what's going on. Because until we have everybody with the pitchforks, we are, we can't have a leader with a pitchfork. So a lot of people wanted Obama to have the pitchfork. It's not Obama who, or, 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 or Biden who has to have the pitchfork. It has to be an educated masses. And the pitchfork is a, 
it's not an it's not a physical thing. Okay, the pitchfork is a is a uh, what do we call it? Figuratively speaking, figuratively speaking, the pitchfork pitchfork is getting intelligent and understanding how things really work. Uh, glad my house is paid for. You go, Nanette Birdsmith, Mike Cisak. The whole 2007-8 real estate crash was due to Democrat policies and Democrat running Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Um, Cisak, that is a very uneducated statement. We had somebody that has a book. May, I, I suggest you get the book, Mike Cisak. And I don't mean to be rude to you, but if you're going to state that on our page where you're open to the world, I have to correct that. That is not only a lie, it's not only false, it's dangerous. Because while it is true that Clinton signed Glass-Steagall, which took the wall down from speculation and true banking, uh, he did it under a Republican uh, admin, uh, he, he did that on with with very large, mostly Repub or large segment of Republican support because that's what they believe in. All right, Carl Cox, speculators in and out of government caused the 2008 economic mess and the aid of regulators and politicians. Crony capitalism at its worst. Carl Cox, thank you for your genius statement. Uh, Rudnan rightfully says, Mike Cisak, you're not listening, which is true. Uh, let's go back. AVQ says that that's between him and somebody else. Eric Hayes, who was in power in 2007? Bush was in power in 2007. Thank you. Michael Rudnan, socialized losses, privatized the profits. That's crony capitalism. And that's what we still have. When, look, when private banks took care of giving people student loans, this is how it worked, right? Student loan. The bank administers the student loan and it gives it to the student and it charges them interest. The bank makes the profit from interest. The bank makes the profit from the fees. But if that student defaults, the bank then goes to Uncle Sam and says, Uncle Sam, John Peter defaulted on that loan. He says he's not paying the loan. Therefore, you have to pay the loan. Wait a minute. Isn't the reason banks charge interest to cover their losses for the few loans that are going to be defaulted? In other words, it's a risk? They didn't take a risk. You did. Americans when every single student loan that took a government student loan out that was administered by a private sector bank, it wasn't the private sector that took the loss. It was always the government. And who is the government? You. Your tax dollars went... Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. Now serving F27 at DMV window number 16. Okay, Rose, we're second in line. Perfect, Rose. You remembered the birth certificate? Yes, and we have our electric bill. Excellent. We'll be Real ID ready in no time. Real ID ready to visit our grandson, Ricky, at Fort Bragg. Then fly to New Orleans for Jazz Fest. Pardon me, are you talking to yourself? Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I am. Talk yourself into Real ID readiness by May 3rd, 2023. Make a plan at dhs.gov slash Real ID. To profit the bank 
when that student loan was not paid off. Americans don't know that. But how did they sell it and how did Obama and them fail to say it when they, when they added that change into the Affordable Care Act? What did they do? The, the people said, socialize, socialization, they're socializing the banks. No, the banks are what was socialized because they could not lose any money. If they gave a loan and the loan was defaulted on, you paid for it. The government paid for it. Most Americans don't know that and they believe the crap coming from the right. Eric Hayes, Obama didn't take over until 2009. Exactly. All right, let's see. Exhaust. Uh, let's go to Mike Cisak. It is started with Clinton administration pushing the CRA, threatening the big banks with not approving expansion unless they did more loans under the CRA. Big banks came back and said they would need to unload such loans before people defaulted on them. So, wow, what an asinine statement. My God, CSAC, you really believe that, again, 92% of the failure had nothing to do with the mortgage market. What part of that can't you get? <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you, Hayes, for telling me it's a good interview. I appreciate that. No audio. It looks like I'm coming down to the bottom. It looks like I'm coming down to the bottom. Did you see the link? I'll look at it later. So will trillions be taken now versus billions, Tim discussed? Um, no, no. Remember, the trillions that are spent... In this budget, in the, in, the, in the budget, it's going to pay individual Americans, you, your relatives, all of them are going to be getting a check that they work for. They will work, the, they will get a check, and they'll pay taxes, and they'll spend that money, and when they spend that money, the baker will buy more flour, the, the maker of the flour would buy more uh, wheat and corn, so the farmer will get more money. Everybody gets more money. Everybody pays more taxes. So the economy will grow. And it will, we, will cap, we will amortize with very low interest rates these initial loans that we'll get for the several trillion dollars, the ones that are not going to be paid for by the wealthy, which I think the wealthy should pay it all. The wealthy should pay it all because they've stolen enough from us all. All right, let's see. King Mas, estoy, ¿qué más tengo que hacer aquí? Egberto, that certainty was based on the idea that the housing market couldn't collapse. But who, who could possibly think that a housing market couldn't collapse when, if you don't have jobs, you can't pay your mortgage? It's an, it, it, is, it is a nonsensical statement. You know? Nanette Bird-Smith, the banking made out like bandits. Yeah, because Obama, because uh, Bush, because Trump, they all, they, they all coddle the wealthy. They all coddle the thugs. The thugs, I call them thugs with ties. T-W-T, thugs with ties. Okay, uh, Eric Hayes says, not all bad that is just plain wrong to say you're like classifying by religion or something. I don't say all bad. You're good rich people and they're mostly bad rich people. There are good ones, but most of them didn't earn their money. That's just a statistical fact. If you made your money off a of paper, you didn't earn it. You know, you know, it's funny because it, people pridefully say things like this. I make my money work for me. I sit my ass down and my money works for me. In other words, you're a freeloader. If your money is working for you, what it means is somebody else 
is your slave. Let's say you own stocks in Amazon and you're working off of the dividends from Amazon. And let's say you inherited your cash, the capital that you used to buy it. You are simply a freeloader. Don't ever use that term, my money works for me. It's a, it, you know, it, it sounds like you're smart, right? You're so smart, your money is working for you. You may be smart in this economy, but it's, an immoral, it's a moral disaster. Jessica Taylor, Sarah, Jessica, where have you been, my beautiful Jessica? Where have you been? Atlanta, uh, hey, Paul, you're late too, brother. Come on, Paul. Atlanta checking in. Welcome, my brother. You know I'm playing with you. Eric Hayes, but then Clinton budget with it. Clinton, again, that is where you have to understand math. Clinton balanced the budget because he raised taxes. He balanced the budget. He didn't pay off the debt. The budget and the debt are two different things. Americans, we must educate ourselves so that we can actually make sure we have good policies. The reason why they can scam us is because we are, all of us are to some extent, uh, allow them to by choosing not to be educated as we should. Okay? I'm talking about all of us. We're all in this boat together. Infinite growth on a finite planet is a folly. Absolutely. And their turn, if you listen to CNBC, it's only about growth. And, you know, it's funny because I'll watch, you know, okay, so uh, Walmart has a growth rate of 3%. But we got to increase the growth rate. What more do you want? You have a steady, a steady amount of increase that you can inflate with your money. Even though you're getting a growth, because the money is inflated, we're not talking about destroying the planet. That's another subject that we'll take on another day because it's too complex to understand. Uh, Bernie Murdoch uh, made off the thief, the thug. <laughs> he died. Yeah, I know. Doesn't bother me at all. Moral, never let the perfect stand in the way of the good. True, Michael. AVQ, Egberto, that comment should have read, Mike Cisak needs to watch this interview from the beginning. I think he came in late and missed the important bits. Well, uh, now that you know you've come in late... I can actually tell you, if you go to our blog, you can actually get the full interview. I have a link to the full interview right there. So I've just posted that link to the full interview. Uh, let me continue. Uh, okay, Egberto from Eric Hayes. Egberto, your friend, that two, uh, that two $1 million for a house worth 200K was part of the problem, and he knew it by smiling at you? Yes, he did. That's how corrupt the system was. And by the way, he was a Republican. Not that it matters, but I just thought I might kind of put that one in. Tom C., if capitalism is bad, what is the alternative? What about the Scandinavian model combining the features of capitalism, such as a market economy and economic efficiency with social benefits? Uh, Tom C., you hit the money on the head. That just isn't capitalism. Uh, what you just said, I am 100% for if you replace the word capitalism with free enterprise. So your statement should read, if capitalism is bad, what is alternative? What about the Scandinavian model combining the features of free enterprise, such as a market economy 
and, and, economic, and economic efficiency with social benefits. And that's what I talk about in, after my last chapter in How to Make America Utopia. Because, sir, capitalism is evil. Because capitalism, the word itself tells you, capital has priority over everything. From the foundation of this country, only landowners could vote. From the, our, it's foundational. When, whenever we say we want to do something, what's the first thing Republicans and establishment Democrats ask? Uh, how is it going to affect business? How is it going to be paid for? The first question should be, what does humanity need? And how do we create an economic system around what humanity needs? The fallacy is that the economic system is divine and humanity must fall within the economic system. Humanity is divine and we must create an economic system that serves humanity. That is what it's all about. All right, uh, when I die, make sure GOP members and bankers are my pallbearers so they can let me down <laughs> one last time. Obama's biggest fault in office was that he didn't prosecute the too big to jail banks after the financial meltdown. And I think, I think we also lost the opportunity to nationalize the banking system. I think we should follow North Dakota and we should nationalize, which is a red state, and the banking system should be nationalized. You shouldn't be making money off of lending people money other than what it costs and the, the, the cost to service it and the, in the, 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 pay, the salaries of people. We should nationalize the banking system. That's what I am for. If you want to play with money, with stocks and all of that, go to the a private market. And you can do everything, but don't ask the bank to bail you out. But banking should be nationalized, period. Punto y final. You want a mortgage, you can choose to get a mortgage from a bank or you can choose to get a mortgage from uh, a speculator. One or the other. Don't, don't stop people from doing whatever they want. But the banking system should be nationalized. Okay, uh, let's see. Showing my daughter's home. All right, Paul. Glad to hear that your daughter's selling her home, my brother. Uh, put your link on this. Just incredible what you spew on this and you got wealth in your past. What drives people to come to America for opportunities? I came to America for opportunities, and that is the freedom to get opportunities. That wasn't the freedom to speculate in a, in a market that is in a false market. So put your link on this just incredible what you spew. Again, like I said, I have authority to talk. I am from another country, and I am telling you what I came here for and what I was successful at doing here. And sir, it does not require the thievery of most of Americans. It does, not require us to, it does not require us to pilfer Americans, even if we're doing it without them knowing. Okay? Tom C., what Scandinavia is doing? That's social democracy. Exactly. Prioritize the needs of the people as our politics. That's what I keep talking about. Absolutely. What people need will always be fulfilled by a free market capitalist system. Who told you that? That's what we have now. It's not happening. And it cannot happen. And by design, it cannot happen. It's impossible. Oh, you're buying. <laughs> All right. Egberto wants a top-down authoritarian system. That is the fallacy you guys want to sell. It won't happen. It's 4 o'clock, guys. I got to get out of here. Anyway, folks, look, I appreciate your, you being here with me. I want to remind you, please consider getting my book, How to, how, It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors. You can get the book at that link there from Amazon. But if you want to forego Amazon, which keeps most of the cash, please consider going directly to our store. 
And where can you get our store? Politicsandright.com slash store. Politicsandright.com slash store. And uh, if you want to become a, a member of our PDR Posse, just click that join button. Please become a member of the PDR Posse if you don't see the join button. Or if you are on Facebook otherwise, please go ahead and click the politicsandright.com slash YouTube. Politicsandright.com slash YouTube. We need patrons. Patrons. Become patrons by going to politicsandright.com slash Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. If you want to be a PayPal supporter, go to politicsandright.com slash PayPal. Look, guys, thank you so kindly for having been here with me. I know I could not ever. Uh, every now and then I do a show on weekend if something crazy happens. But as of now, you know, this weekend I'll be uh, finishing up my book. Uh, so um, I don't think I'll do a show this weekend. But we do have a show diligently every day, Monday through Fridays. Please share the show. Please tell other people about the show. Um, and we do it on Tuesday. We do two shows because we, at the same time, we're doing it on air on KPFT 90.1 FM, Houston. Uh, and that gets picked up. It gets syndicated by Pew and other radio stations on the network. Okay. Uh, what else do I need to tell you guys? Thank you so kindly for being here. Love you all. Thank you for being here. Thank you all. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end our baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal. A safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller. I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. Poodle pamperer. <laughs> piano tuner or plumber signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy touch-free qr code payments shop safe with paypal